This is the Tribe of Millionaires podcast from GoBundance. The tribe of healthy, wealthy, generous people who choose to live epic lives. Listen Tuesdays for featured guests and Fridays for GoBundance member spotlights. But listen always to hear how our guests have grabbed life big. Now, here's your host, Jamie Gruber. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. Today, I have Brian Beers, GoBundance member, entrepreneur, investor, franchising expert, all-around good guy, and host of the Business with Beers podcast, which I didn't show you yet, but there you go. I got my my shorts on and my Business with Beers socks. For those of you on YouTube, you got a treat. Brian, welcome, brother. Good to see you. Thanks for having me, Jamie. Thanks for showing me your your bare legs. That's right. Well, it's the sock. I I was showing you the sock. It wasn't the leg, but you checked out the legs is what you're saying. It's hard not to. Yep. (laughs) Love it. All right. Well, let's get a little bit of backstory from you, Brian. I know you're out of Philly. I know you're into franchising between the lines. That's about, I don't know a lot more. So give me your, your backstory, where you're from, what you do and all of that stuff. Yeah, sure. So I'm 34 years old. I live in the suburbs of, of Philadelphia. Uh, my primary business is my brother and I, we operate a chain of uh, Midas automotive repair uh, franchises. It was something my my dad and uncle had started in the 70s. Uh, they got into it because actually his cousin was in it in the 60s, like one of the first franchisees up in, up in Boston. Anyhow, it was, it was a good business. My, my dad had, had built it up to a number of locations at, um, at six or so at the time. And I, uh, when I joined after college, I went to University of Miami down in Florida for a couple of years studying business and entrepreneurship. Anyway, I, I joined the business. I, I learned it from the scratch. I knew nothing about cars. I mean, I, I still, I mean, I know things about cars now, but I, you know, you don't want me changing your brakes uh, anytime soon. But uh, I learned the business and my brother joined and we just started growing. We started you know, acquiring uh, other locations. A lot of them were older guys who wanted to get out. Uh, we bought uh, a couple um, from them. We, we opened a couple from scratch. And so we grew from, from six locations to eight, to nine, to 10, to 11, to 13. And then we bought uh, seven more in New Jersey and we've got three more under contract. So we will have 24 locations probably by the time this airs uh, through Pennsylvania and New Jersey. We'll do about, I don't know, 25 to $30 million in sales. And you know it's, it's a pretty good business. Um, so that's my uh, that's like my my day job, right? We I, yeah. I um, you know we've we built that, and then a couple other things. I invest in real estate. Uh, I've got a podcast I launched uh, in April called Business with Beers, where I bring on other entrepreneurs. We talk about growing businesses, scaling, you know what what opportunities there are, what challenges they have, and um, anyway, that's that's most of my story. I joined um, GoBundance in February of 2020. It was uh, right before COVID, so it was a pretty uh, pretty perfect time to join with everything going down here and hearing all the stories and how everyone was uh, adapting to it. So no doubt. Now I want to go there for a second. One question I want to ask just from an industry-wide perspective, maybe this is my, my insurance claims roots, but on the, on the body side, right on the, there's like, you know, you think about mechanics, people think like, every, you know, Midas does it all, or like the body shop does it all. Mm-hmm. Like Midas is a mechanic shop. I think of the mechanics of the vehicle, yep. whereas a body shop fixes the body. But on the body side, I look at that industry as very much at risk given autonomous vehicle technology, sensors, all of the stuff right now over the next 20, 30 years. I, I remember hearing somebody say, we'll be laughing at the idea that cars used to hit each other. Right. But at the same time, I think there's a lot of uh, skill Maybe, maybe even pent up uh, a supply of body people that might want to get onto the mechanical side w- where you hire. Are you seeing that? Like, what is the future in auto? Because there are so many other technology pieces in vehicles nowadays. Sure. Like, what does it look like in your industry? Before we talk about abundance and all of that, uh, for the next five, 10, 20 years, is it, is it the, is it a boom for, for the auto uh, mechanic industry? So nobody knows, right? I think the, the concern is that. You know, there's there's two ways to look at it. Number one is the the fearful way, which is these cars are becoming so complicated. You know, such a, like an iPhone on on wheels, and yeah. they be, they're going to become so difficult to fix, right? Because it's going to be like nobody like breaks open their iPhone, and fixes it for the most part, right? You like get a new one. Now the car's going to be different because you're there's wear and tear. You know, even if it's this iPhone on wheels, it you still have tires that wear down. You still have brakes that wear down. You still like hit things, whether it's a pothole or whatever. So. You know, things are going to continue to break no matter what. I mean, there's wear and tear on them. Uh, I think that the the mechan the like profile of the mechanic is going to become a lot more techy of a sense. It's going to be diving into the computers, 
you know, f- communicating, figuring out what the sensors are. It's gonna be a lot more diagnosis uh, of and 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 programming related rather than just like finding a, a loose part and fixing it. Uh, so I think the the dynamics of the repairs are going to change, uh, and and the type of people who are fixing them is the profile of that person is probably going to change. Uh, now the idea of, of body guys switching over to automotive repair, I've never thought about that, but it could be a could be a good source uh, for us to I, find dude, some new guys. I'll tell you right now, being being on that side and claims of everybody shout because I was a uh, I ran different departments. The last one before I left my job, I ran the uh, the the appraisal division. So, you know, if you get in an accident and somebody goes out and re- sure. looks at your yeah. car, that, that's what I did. Right. So to your point, like, I'm not going to fix anything, but it's amazing. I can walk by a car and tell you exactly how much damage is on <laughs> still to this day. But, um, uh, but the body, the, the, the challenge for uh, body shops was fi- finding guys. Cause you know, an insurance company might pay an affiliate market 50, $55 an hour. Yep. Uh, and they have to pay their tech, you know, a lot, you know, per hour. And they, yep. you know, they, all this, the, the, t- the way the time is calculated without getting into, into too many specifics, but the biggest challenge was holding on to those folks. Like there wasn't a lot of incentive for body men to be body men, but over on the mechanic side, they're getting paid, you know, 150, $200 an hour in, in the same dealership. Right. So the dealer might have a $55 an hour body rate from the insurance company, but yep. they could, anything they could sublet over to the mechanic side was 110, 150, $200 an hour. And you had to yep. pay it. So just a thought. Yep. So, and, and for us, like as a business, the, you know, they, they think there's going to be consolidation where the, the, the smaller shops are going to go kind of out and it's going to consolidate into the bigger brands, sure. you know, which for us is kind of a good thing. And then obviously as the, the supply gets limited, you know, and demand continues to rise, you know, our, our prices can go up and, you know, we can, we can charge more, just like you said, that, that 150 to 200 an hour, but then we also can use that money to, we're going to have to pay, you know, higher quality mechanics and, um, the, the yeah. wages that they're going to deserve to fix these these cars that are going to become a lot more complicated. So, last question on the industry: Are dealerships not dealerships? Uh, manufacturers are they attempting to box out independence? Even a Midas, Midas is independent oh, yeah. of the manufacturer. Yeah, yeah, but what is that? What's that struggle? And what do you see? Where do you see that battle landing? So, so there's this big thing, and it's called right to repair, yeah. uh, with, which goes through Congress, which basically says that the manufacturers kind of have to give the the, the manuals to the independents. Cause I mean, at the end of the day, the dealers, the dealerships just can't fix all, all the cars on the road. There's just not enough dealerships, right. For the amount of cars. And so they need independence no matter what to, to do the volume. Otherwise, I mean, if you only could go to a dealership, your car could be there for two or three weeks or, or a month, right. If they were the only person that could repair it. So like for the, for consumer reasons, that's why the right to repair exists. Now, what, from what I've understand is that, you know, obviously the, the, the manufacturers want to limit the information. So they're trying to do what, what Apple and, and Android and Google, right? All these guys are, are limiting the technology. They're trying to take the same thing, says, hey, we all we have all this technology just like Apple does, and we don't we don't want to give it to anybody. So there's definitely this fight there, but it's in the consumer's best interest to for for everybody to have it. Um and so I don't know if that answered your question, but that it does. No, it doesn't. I think, I think you're spot on. I think a great point you made is that there's just not the capacity. It's like anything. It's, uh, it's you know, why this is what I know. Why are real estate investors incentivized from a tax perspective? Well, part of that reason is the government can't provide housing for everybody. Right. So they incentivize mm-hmm. private ownership through tax incentives. It's the same sort of thing. I don't think the dealerships can repair everything. So they, you know, yep. there's the incentive to use the independence. Go ahead. I'm sorry. And competition. Right. If they were the only ones, sure. they could set whatever price they want. They could sell you this super cheap car, but then charge you like $500 an hour. And if it was your only option, I mean, you know, it reduces competition. And there, there are a number of independent companies that produce uh, like the scan tools that, that communicate sure. with cars that that back into it. So they'll they'll take the scan tool that the dealership has they'll, that you can buy. They'll basically break this thing open and, and try to rebuild it from like scratch to, to, to circumvent you know, they don't get the manual. They just create the manual basically. So there's, there's plenty of guys out there working to, to support like, you know, the non-manufacturers and non-dealer independent shops, franchises, whatever to, to give consumers the best options. Entrepreneurship at its finest. And speaking of, you were an entrepreneur, you've been an entrepreneur, obviously you're kind of a, it's kind of a pedigree of yours, but then you mentioned you, you kind of came to go abundance. Talk to me about you know, like what's the difference? So why, you know, like you're an entrepreneur, you join GoBundance. What's, what's life before what's life after? Give me some, give me some difference. Yeah. So I think the, the first thing I always think of is, you know, you, you always, you have all these assumptions of how you think like the world works, like how money works, how deals work, what, I don't know, how banks lend, just how people think, just going in whatever preconceived notions you have. And then, you know, you join GoBundance, I join GoBundance and you realize that there's like, that's not how the world works for some, some other people. Right, they get financing 
that's creative and that nobody else gets. They structure deals in a way that you know you never would have thought of. And they they just think differently. And I think that's the big thing is like you we have all these assumptions that we think we know the world works. And then you get in this room, you start learning all these things. That's not how the way it works. Like you can get, you know, there's way better ways to manage your money. There's way better ways to invest it. You can get these financing deals that, you know, don't don't really even make like you don't even get it, but they're making money at it. And then you start to learn this stuff and then then it starts to click. I think that's like for me, I don't know, I don't know about for you, but that's like the biggest one is just realizing when you're in a room or you hear all these guys that just doing amazing things that like it's 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 really different, you know, in these inner circles than what you think it is. Yeah. Well, like Ryan Bowden, I just had on. I don't know if yeah, you yeah, he's one of the guys I'm thinking of. Yep. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, it just like again, I wouldn't think of, you know, he's just saying pretty much that, like, you know, he how do how would I put it? Anybody goes through the checklist. We all know the checklist, but like his mind saw in between two checkbox items, like, well, wait a minute. If you aren't going to do this, I can do that instead. And he just, he, you know, it's the, even though I hate the guy, it's the Bill Belichick mindset, right? Like, you know, he finds that one thing in the rule book that he can exploit, not, you know, in, in, but still follow the rules, right? That's kind of yep. what, what Ryan learned how to do. And even like, you know, as we sit here and we're recording this tomorrow, I was telling you and I, people that listen know this, I'm heading to the Dominican for a few weeks, right? Like that idea, like, wait, I can go away for weeks at a time and still exist and live and have a life. Like I can design a life that way. Like even that, not even financially, but just in any way, you're right. Think differently and expose me in my mind, at least to so many different things. So yeah, give me some, give me more on that. What else do you? Yeah, sure. So I think, you know, a lot of it comes down to private investments, right? So like, I think for people who, who aren't in our world, you know, they're, they're kind of in this box and in the box, you know, they, they want it. They want to invest their money. What are their options? Well, they can go like up. And they, they, they're stocks, right? So they can invest in stocks in, in any flavor they want, whether it's an index fund, a mutual fund, a like EFT, individual stocks, right? But at a certain point, you, you kind of reach a ceiling of you want to invest in public equities, diversif- you diversify, but it's all in the same class, yeah. right? A single tweet from Elon Musk can like totally erode a day or, you know, the, the government changes, you know, from Biden, Trump to Biden or, you know, Biden to whoever, and like the entire market can fluctuate, like your entire net worth can fluctuate based on like a single person tweeting or, you know, the, the government change. All these things are like way out of your control, right? So you got that. You want to like lower your risk from these things. You can invest. You go to the right, you hit bonds, right? So you can invest in bonds. You can make like, what's it? 1% right now, like one and a half, two 2%. And if you want flavor and diversify, you can have government bonds, corporate bonds, you know, public utility bonds, but <laughs> still a bond, right? Yeah, you can yeah. go like, if you want store value, maybe you go to the left and you can bang into, you know, gold, silver, you know, some sort of like EFT that's related, but you know, it stores value, but doesn't really grow. And then maybe at the bottom, you know, there's real estate. So people want exposure to real estate, you know, ideally they, you know, the box wants them to stay within, they invest in an EF or a, um, a REIT yep. or, you know, they're buying some single family homes, maybe some multifamily, but like, you know, that, at a certain point, a lot of people don't even go that route. But mm-hmm. so they're in this box and like, the, you know, the, the government wants them to stay in that box. They want all your 401k dollars like contained in stocks and bonds. They all want your savings account, right? In banks that they're going to use that money to then lend out at 10 times the amount. And they want everybody to live in. It. And I think, you know, what I've learned through being abundance is that you got to like, you got to like break this box and that outside of this box, there's this other like box that lives. And it's got, you know, up top, instead of just taking public equities, you can go above and you have private equity. So you can invest directly in companies. So like, you know, both you and I are investing in the green coffee coffee company, yep. right? So that that's a, we're taking a limited partnership in a, a company. So that company does its thing and it goes public one day, you know, we're all going to get a great return on it. We can go to the right, instead of going bonds, we can get into lending, right? You can get into the hard money lending, you can get private lending, you can get, you know, you can have secure collateralized real estate, but get much better returns, you know, doing private direct loans. Do you want to get into real estate instead of, you know, maybe single family homes, you can invest in syndications. You can get into multifamily. You can expose your money that way. On on store value, if if you want to go beyond gold and silver, you get into crypto, right? There's there's lots of ways there of store of value. So there's this whole world that exists for accredited investors that is a outside of this box. And then once you kind of break that wall, I mean the the options become unlimited. And so I don't know, for me, it's exposure to those things has been, you know, the one of the biggest uh, takeaways I've had. 
what, 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 what's your strategy now then? So if it's like, hey, yeah, this the tried and true stock market methodology doesn't work for me. What are some things that you're most interested in? You mentioned about the private equity, like you know, investing in green coffee and so on and so on. Are you going that route? Consumer product, private, private equity. Is it real estate? Are you dabbling in all of it? Are you like, is there a way you're distributing your net worth across, you know, like you said, stores of values like crypto? Okay, can, give me a little bit of what, yeah, what sure. have you executed? Yeah, since since learning this. Yeah. So one of the things I'm I'm working on uh is is to is to systematize, you know, kind of this theory. Cause once you start getting into this mm-hmm. world. And and really, you're, you're you manage your own money like it's a business, where where most people manage their money very passively, like they stick it on an auto invest into Vanguard, and it's this thing that they just like don't touch. But then they also view it as like I don't know, like a battery that they're charging up. It gets to a certain amount, and then they they quote retire, right? And then they just deplete the battery now for the rest of their lives. Like it just goes up and then it goes down. Great analogy. Great right? analogy. Yeah. And, and I think that is what most people are taught. Like the the government, like Wall Street, has they've taught us that, that this is what you're supposed to do. And that you're an idiot when it comes to managing your own money. So don't manage your own money. Let let us do it. Charge up this battery and then we'll deplete it. And so, you know, what I, what I've learned and come to realize is that, you know, for for entrepreneurs, so for people who have built a business and you know they're they're have a net worth over a million dollars. It's a lot of these deals, you got to be a credit investor, which is either Three hundred thousand of income if you're, you know, married or you know, million dollars in net worth. That, you know, we have all these options available to us, and then you can manage your money like it's a business. So, you know, as a business owner, what do you look for when you're when you're running your business? Right, you focus on you have a vision, you have a game plan. Like, where are we going? What's my strategy to get there? You have diversification, right? Like in in Midas, we don't sell like. One one product, right? We do brakes, we do tires, we fix suspension, we sell radiators, even with tires, right? We sell different brands, right? So we diversify, and I think when it comes to building our wealth, it's the same thing. So it it it's really what you understand, you know. I I I say like diversify, but don't dilute. Like if if we diversified in Midas to doing auto body repair because we could, like, and we diversified into all right, well, every customer comes through the door also needs insurance, then we try and start selling them like. State Farm Insurance or something, you know, we we would dilute our core focus, which is, you know, repairing the vehicles. And I and I think for the wealth side, it's similar. Where if I'm going to invest, I want to I want to analyze these deals, but I want to only want to invest in things that I that I understand. So like I'm in a self storage deal uh, with Sergio and Mark, right? I, I understand the concept of self storage. People need to store their crap somewhere. They pay them every month. Like they're going to build out. They're going to raise rents and build more units. That's how we make money. Right, I I have a, invested in multifamily through through a couple v- value add deals where it's the rents are six hundred. We're going to renovate them and get them to seven or eight hundred. Like pr- pretty simple concept. I understand it. Right, I have the the, the coffee company. You know, people drink coffee. Love model coffee. is yeah. right. We're <laughs> yeah, Colombian coffee. Right, we're right, we're right. buying up all these farms and we're going to be the biggest producer and then we're going to market a brand, go direct consumers. Right, like I get that. And so I've got another one. It's a it's a uh, office. It's a ground up office construction uh, for for so a really good guy and, and a good company, and so so for me like those are all things I understand. Like if on the wealth side, dilution would be if if I think I got into all these things that I didn't really understand, but people are talking about them. Like if it was, I don't know, crypto. I don't know. You can go down these rabbit holes with crypto and NFTs and all this staking and maybe stuff that I don't really understand. But if I put my money there just because I thought it was cool. That's when I think you start to make mistakes versus you diversify up to the point that you you understand the model. You can explain it to somebody else. Like you get you get how they make money. And so that's part of it. Cash flow, like as a, as an owner of a business, your cash flow is critical, right? Like it doesn't matter what your sales are if you don't have any cash flow. And I think the same goes through your wealth as you build, like you, know, you focus on cash flow. You know, what's the distributions back? And then you can start to compound those returns. And then finally, it's it's team. You got to build a good team. And just like in our business, you know, we got to have a good COO, a good finance guy. We need good managers. We need good salespeople. We need good mechanics. I think when you're when you look at your wealth like it's a, like a business, you got to build a team around you. And so, so what does that look like? I mean, I, so I associate it with like an offensive line. So you're Buffalo Bills fan, and I, I I know. Um, so like right. you're the you know you're the quarterback, right? So you're you are making all the decisions. You're you're calling the plays. In front of you is the center, right? So the center would be your spouse. So they're the one. Who's handing you know they're handing you the ball, and if you're not on the same page on on terms of what your strategy is and where you're going, right, that ball flies right over your head, and so that's that. Your your business partner would be like the running back, so he'd be the guy you're handing the ball off to, like like going through the line, you know, right side by side, 
guarding you, you've got like, you, you need a solid CPA, right? And you need a solid attorney. Those are your two, your, your two guards. You need the, the, the other linemen would be like, you know, you got a coach, you got a mentor, you got other people who are on your team who are helping making sure you're, you're on the right track. Then you've got, you know, agents, you, you have like a real estate agent, maybe a life insurance agent, whatever it is. And then on the, the, the wide receivers are then your, your sponsors. So these are the guys as part of the GP who are, you know, you, you have the big plays that are going to get us like a seven X return on our money. You're going to get us a 20% IRR, whatever it is. They're the guys who are good for those big, like long-term plays. So hmm. I, I think a lot of that is, you know, when, when people start this journey, like their, their team is built based on convenience. Like their, their, their attorney that they work with is just like somebody they know. Their CPA might be like their dad's CPA who they kind of like inherited. But you know, it's you, you got to ask the question like, is this person uh, a deal maker or a deal breaker? Like, are they bringing me deals? Are they helping me like with my goals and my vision, or are they kind of holding me back? And and we've got you got to go through multiple people. I mean, I'm I'm now on my uh, my third or fourth of a, of a couple of these people because you know we have a certain objective. I don't know from a tax standpoint, and the CPA is telling us, well, no, we don't want to do that. We don't want to do this, and like we're like arguing with them because. You know, for us, we want to take all of our depreciation now. We want to pay as minimal taxes now because we want to continue to take all that money and compound growth. Like that's my that's my current MO. We're young, like interest rates are low, right? We want to, but but his philosophy, you know, older, he's older and saying, well, you know, taxes are low right now. You should pay your taxes now. And then like, you know, he was more on this conservative, like maintain model. And mine's more this like, I want to compound growth. I don't really care. I'm gonna I'll I'll find depreciation next year and and to use, right? And so we didn't align, I think, on the vision and the direction. And then it became a deal breaker because it was everything we wanted to do. He kept arguing with me versus like, I want somebody who's going to, you know, tell me that I, I see what you want to do. Here are some ideas. Here's an intro to another client that we use that's doing something similar, right? The, the deal maker one should be introducing you and should be helping you achieve your goals, not, you know, what it feels like holding you back sometimes. There's a lot of gold in there, man. That and you, that deal maker, deal breaker thing. It's funny. Like my my business partner on the multifamily side, uh, I just got exposed to his CPA, and I really like the guy's vibe. Like he knows what he's doing. He's a CPA, all that stuff. But but to your point, he's looking for ways to as opposed to ways not to. And you know, within within, I want to be clear, like legally, of course. Yeah, but yeah. like he's looking for again in that. We want box. the edge. We want the edge of the line. Is, is where go. we want to right live. Right up to like, it. Right. Exactly. Yep. And he wants my to live CPA. like way way over here, and it's like right. My CPA is knowledgeable, but a bit less inclined to be aggressive. And and you know, again, I don't want I don't want anybody to do anything illegal on my behalf. That's not what I'm asking for or want from a CPA. But it's funny you talk about that. I love the distinction of deal maker versus deal breaker because in my mind, it's like there is a little bit of that thought. Like, well, she knows what she's doing. She's a good CPA. I mean, she is. She does a great job. She's decent cost. She she understands the ins and outs of real estate specific. That's what she specializes in. But there's just something, and that's it. It's the deal maker versus deal breaker yep. part of it. I always feel like the deal is broken. Like yep. I don't feel like it's like, oh yeah, cool. Like, you know, take my momentum, know where I'm trying to go, and then, you know, find the find the way for me. Clear the path. Like, yep. yeah, guard, pull, go around to the other side and open up the yep. hole for me. Yep. As opposed to just blocking the guy in front of you when you know I'm trying to go there, right? Like yep. call yep. that audible. I love the football reference. Yep. Yeah, go and, ahead. And uh yeah, even for for me, like we're getting into the, the hard money lending business. We're one of our passive income streams is to to you know lend out to other real estate investors looking for a bridge loan for a flip whatever it is, and so you know I'm working very closely you know with my attorneys and with my accountants to make sure we structure all this right. We get the right you know all the documents, all the stuff, and just ask them, hey, do you have any other clients that that do this? And they end up introducing me to guys that that they do the exact same thing that run you know thirty million dollar funds. Yeah. So they make the intro, and then me total newbie can talk to this guy through this mutual connection, and he you know ask him any question. I want. And he's telling me all the answers of, you know, how they're looking at deals, how they're underwriting deals, their margins. Like once again, that that's a deal maker. That's somebody who's, you know. And I had to ask for it. Like sometimes they don't they don't just like tell you, but you ask. Hey, do you have any other clients? He says, Yeah, I think we do. And let me see if I'm allowed to introduce you. And you make the connection. So I think, you know, that's that's the key. Is and if and if they're not helping you, like just just cut the cord and go go find someone else. You know, ask for a referral. I mean, there's plenty of people who are more than willing to share you know, their team members and help, you know, help their clients grow. So that's 
Talk a little bit about, I love what you, you how you, you broke it down, vision, strategy, diversity, diversification, cash flow team, kind of the, the business of money management, right? And this is relevant for me as a newer entrepreneur, right? I was a W-2 guy for a long time. And I was, I, I was dropping in the 401k, right? I got this and then, oh, stock options, cool, but I still have to vest those later. And you know, yep. like I was in that matrix. And you know, I guess in some ways my mind might still be. Um, but talk to the person who's listening that's not in GoBundance that like vibes with the idea of GoBundance, but maybe has that job and they're trying to figure out like, all right, I love, I love this idea of being an entrepreneur. I want to get there. How do I start? What's the first thing I need to do if I'm going to be going down this path of you know taking more control of my money, treating it sure. like a business yep. versus set it and forget it? Well, I think one of them, which uh, maybe... Actually, they mentioned which is community, right? Which is actually joining joining a, a group like Abundance and being around people. Just like you know, when you run your business, you, you network with other people in the same business. You learn from each other. You grow together. You have challenges. You're able to bounce them. I think I think community is a huge part of this. That you know, Abundance like like takes the cake on on the community. So I think that's that's number one. If, if they're not in it and they they want to get there. You know, I think the Ascend, the Emerge, all these programs we got, I think now are pretty amazing for, for throwing down the rope and helping people get to where they want to be if, if they're the right person, right? They got the right mindset, they're taking the right actions, they're motivated, they're smart. And anyway, so community. Then, then it's like this system and, and you say, all right, I, I want to invest, I'm going to sell all my stocks, right? And I want to, I'm going to control my own money. I, I think it comes down to, to breaking it into, into separate um, compartments. You know, I, I'm currently calling it the the envelope investor. You know, there's this old like budgeting system where you know you get your paycheck and you like have these different envelopes and you cash it and you're putting money in each envelope for your your mortgage or your your gas or your insurance or you know whatever it is. And then you spend you only spend the money that's within the envelope. This is how you can maintain a budget. Now, obviously, most of the people that are going to be you know potential credit investors are probably beyond like that method for managing their money. But from an investment standpoint, we can take a similar uh, philosophy and strategy where so so money comes in. I've got I've got four accounts that we that I look at. Number one is I have a, we have a, an operating account, right? So this is an operating account for your life, and so this would be for me. It's an account that like my credit cards get paid out of, my mortgage, you know, just my my general living expenses. And I my goal is to limit the money into that account that's pretty much equal to what I want my expenses to be. So. Let's you know. Let's say it's ten grand a month or whatever it is. Like ten grand a month comes in, ten grand a month goes out. Like I live off this this cycle. So that's that's like your one account. Then you have another account that would be your savings or your your emergency fund, right? Six to twelve months of living expenses or whatever number someone's comfortable with, because your goal ultimately would be put to be cash poor and just put every single dollar you have available to invest so it can start earning, you start getting compound interest. But I think for a lot of people to 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 do that is you know these investments we're going to be talking about are are sometimes you know a one year three year five year lockup of their money like it's it's not liquid the 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 benefit and the security blanket of the stocks is at any point you could lick you know if it's not a four hundred one k or whatever you could you right. could liquefy it you could get it you can have it but like ultimately like what would like what I mean it's it's nice to have that sense of security but like why would you need it like what would happen in this event that you would need ultimately it'd be you need time right you need Six to twelve months to say if my if my business like totally had this big hiccup, I had no money coming in. How long do I need to to I feel that I can get back on my feet before I have to touch anything else? And so, anyway, the, the second the second account is you just have the separate savings account, this emergency account with with that with whatever number of months that make you feel comfortable. And maybe it's so if it's ten thousand dollars a month, maybe you have one hundred and twenty grand in there. Um, you know, maybe it's more. I don't I don't know. It's it's up to that person. I think that can vary. Then you've got your you know, and this is a whole other topic, but an infinite banking policy. Mm. So it's this this permanent whole life policy that acts like a high yield savings account with with some added benefits. And this is, like I said, this is a whole other topic on its own. But the general concept is you commit to saving a certain amount of money. You're putting it into this policy, but unlike traditional whole life policies, you're able to access the the cash within the policy through a line of credit. So you put money into this policy every single year. But then immediately it's available through a line of credit and that you can then use to, to make an investment. So anyway, th- there's a whole other component to that, but that's one of them. And then the final one is, is you, then you have an investment account. So let's say you're making whatever, 30, 30 grand a month, right? You got 10, 10 grand a month coming in, that goes in your operating account. That thing just like kind of circulates. You, you got your money in your, your emergency account. And then the rest of the money goes into this, in, this investment account. So say you got whatever, $20,000 a month in there. And the, the goal is then you separate that, right? So you've got these, these three different, four different envelopes, operating, 
your emergency, your infinite bank, and then the investment. And then as you're as you start to build that investment account, once it gets up to a number, you pick a number that you want, maybe it's 50 grand, right? Then you've got that money that you in your mind, you know, I can go deploy. So then you go find a syndication, you invest, you know, maybe it's me and we're doing it, we're doing a hard money loan. Maybe you invest into, you know, one of these private equity deals, whatever it is. And then, then your goal is that all the money that you make from that investment gets deposited back into that investment account. And so this thing over time, every single month, you get your business distributions going in, and then you start to have multiple streams of income, right? I'm in five different syndications every month. If each one of those cash flows uh, accordingly, I'm going to have five additional deposits right into this, into this investment account. And then this thing just continues to grow. And, and every time you get to a number that is you can deploy it, whether you know it's 25, 50, 100. I mean, it's really up to the, the person and what the strategy is, but you continue to deploy. But you but I think it helps your mind to be able to separate into separate accounts versus if if you only had one fund, like you had one Bank of America checking account. And within that one account, you would keep track of, you know, what's my credit card month going in and out? How much do I want in savings? How much do I need to save to fund this like life insurance policy? And then how much can I spend to, you know, deploy in this investment? Like it's like a lot of decision making would have to go on when you see this bank balance versus if it's separate, you kind of know based on what the numbers are, you know, what I can do, what actions I can take, or what can I not do? Said, hey, I got to hold off a couple months. I'm getting low. I got to like build this thing back up. So, anyway, that's kind of the strategy I'm working on developing, and eventually going to hopefully be launching a course and kind of this like system in a box, like you said, for people who are. Looking like this all sounds great, but like, what's the strategy? What's the tactical approach? How do I actually do this? You know, my goal was then to create it so they can just like follow this plan. You know, they can interchange things as they see fit, but it's at least a system that they can follow that will help them break the box out of the the stocks and the bonds and the the things that are totally out of their control. Love it. That's a tremendous value add to have something like a, a repeatable system. Because your point about decision fatigue is real, right? Like when you have to think too much. Things fall apart. I mean, it's little things. I, I I lay my clothes out in the morning or at night for the morning, so I don't have to think about the next morning. I know I wake up, put on my clothes, go to the gym or whatever, right? So that's what you're essentially doing is systematizing uh, your your income to go into different buckets so that you have you don't have to think about it. You don't have to, like you said, have one account and like, okay, where's it going? I got to remember yep. this is coming out here, this is coming out there. Can you talk for a minute about infinite banking? So let's say. And we were talking a little bit before we started recording. Like, I'm familiar with the concept, but I honestly haven't looked at it. Maybe it's just lack of time. Maybe it's intimidation around the concept of it or whatever. But uh, all right, let's go base level here. An infinite banking concept essentially is that you can invest, you can put money into a into a, a, a an insurance policy essentially that you can then, like you said, loan out, uh, take out a line of credit, and and invest with that money. So as you were saying, you you make. You make uh, a return on the investment and the value of the of the uh, uh, policy increases over time, right? So you get that double bang. But what does it take to say, like, is it 500 bucks a month? Do I, do I, is it a hundred grand I got? Like, what is it, what is it that you have to do to set one up? And then mm-hmm. give me an example of how you are maybe, or how you might use this sure. concept. Yeah. So I think, uh, first of all, the setup of it, you got to work with somebody who like is an expert on it. You, if you call your normal insurance guy, um, he, unless he specializes in this, like, don't, don't do it. It's got to, you got to find a guy that, that this is like the, all they do or, or one of the things they do. Cause there's, there's a special way that it's designed that, that gives you the benefits that we're going to talk about. So the first one's find a guy that's like reputable and they, they know what they're doing. The, the amount of money that you put into it is, is totally up to you. It really depends on, on someone's income level. And then I guess ultimately what they want to do with it, sure. because you're, what you're doing is you're really committing Think of it as a savings account, right? So, let's say it's twenty five thousand dollars a year. I think that would be probably a, probably the minimum I I would I would do because the goal of this is this builds up and then you got to put it to to use. And you know, a lot of syndication deals they have like a fifty thousand dollar minimum, right? Mm-hmm. So, even at twenty five thousand, it would take you potentially two or three years to have enough money in there to to deploy it. Now, there's other ways you you could probably earn, but like to to do anything substantial with it. You, you need to have you know enough money to to do something with it. So, so you you pick a number. So let's say it's twenty five thousand. That is that is the maximum that you can contribute. Now there there is like you don't have to do all that every year. If you said I want to do less one year, uh, you, you could. There's a minimum you have to do to maintain the policy. But so the the benefit of it is there's there's a couple of different ways. One is you're you're building cash value. So the thing is growing. You have a guaranteed return from the insurance company. It might be three or four percent. Right. That at 
minimum, you're 100% guaranteed by the policy that this thing is going to grow. But if you go with a, a company like we use, I use Penn Mutual. Penn, it's, a, it's a mutual company instead of like a, a publicly owned company. So a mutual means it's owned by the, the stockholders, by the policyholders. And so then they, they provide a dividend. So based on the, the underwriting profit of the insurance company. So Penn Mutual makes a profit based on their underwriting. They then distribute that profit to the members. So currently, you know, for mine, I think it's earning like five and three quarters percent interest on it. Even so, I have a guarantee four, and I, you know, it's it's effectively five five seven five. So, and and it's also it's also tax free. Like as this as your policy builds, like you don't pay any taxes on the growth within the policy. Versus because if you took initial investment is taxed already, is that why? Like you're putting yeah, in so post-tax. yeah, you're putting post tax dollars in, and then all the dividends, all the guaranteed growth, the dividends, everything grows uh, tax free within it. Versus if you took that same amount of money and put it into something that earned five point seven five percent. Yeah, in in a tax like you're gonna be you're gonna be paying you know taxes on that too. Right. So you're not getting five point seven five percent, right? Yeah, yeah that's exactly. diminishing it. So, yeah. so you have this guarantee growth, but then you also have this opportunity to earn more. Now the guarantee, the dividend, the higher growth, five and three quarters is not you know it's not guaranteed. It really could vary, but you know the certain companies like Penn Mutual have like this track record of you know whatever X number of years or decades of of paying the dividend. So. That's part of it. That's why you pick the right broker who can help like place you in a, in the right company. Um, so you've got that. So every year you're putting money in, it's growing at a guaranteed rate. You also have a death benefit. So that that $25,000 initial deposit might get you like, I don't, I mean, I'm just going to make up some numbers here, but maybe like a $3 million death benefit the first year. And so then, and as it builds, that death benefit goes up. And so by the time you are like 80, let's say, that death benefit could be, let's say, $10 million. Like it, it really depends on the policy. You'd have to write it out, but, but that thing builds. So then when you, when you die, ultimately you die, that, that death benefit can go to your, your kids. And if it goes the right way, it can all be tax-free. Wait, let me just make sure I'm clear on a couple of things. My brain was thinking as you were talking, so I might've missed it and I apologize, but so I, I open an infinite banking policy for $50,000, right? Yep. The death benefit, when I open it, you're, I know you're projecting, but is it's not the value? It's not the fifty thousand. It's it's nope. like, like a like a term pot, like whatever you, whatever you yep. select, it's, or is there? It's yeah, it's the way they write these things. It's yeah, it, it's a couple million dollars. It'll probably yeah, two or two or three million dollars on the on the if you died that first year. And then right, every right. single year, as you put more money, because every single year you put 25, 25, 25 into this thing, the cash value is growing, but your death benefits also growing. You can think of it like like a like a house, right? So you. The fifty thousand is like your down payment on the house. Yeah, the house has a value, right? But you have debt. Yeah. You have to have debt on the house, and then every year your the value of the house is going up, which is the death benefit, and your equity in the house is growing, growing too. That would be you know your, your cash value. So okay. ultimately, when you die, like that house is now worth ten million dollars, and you have no you have no debt on it. Like the the debt is is you being alive. So when you die. Your, your debt goes away, and then your your family would then get the entire the, the death benefit of it of the policy. Got it. Okay. And then the other question is: so five point seven five percent is the interest you're you're gaining on the the uh, you know the value of the policy as you put money into it, right? So let's say you've let's say you you you, you two hundred thousand dollars, you open up an account, you open up a, an infinite banking policy, and then you immediately take out a line of credit and deploy all two hundred thousand dollars into four different deals for fifty k each. Am I getting paid an interest rate on the two hundred thousand dollars? That's sort of like and I'm doing this with air quotes, no longer in the account that's been deployed uh, out to invest? Or is it only once that money returns, whatever's coming back into the sure. account that you accrue yep. interest on? Yeah, so great question. This is what I think makes it makes it special is, there, well, once again, all depends on the bank. This is, I mean, this is, this is I'm speaking from experience with, yeah, yeah. with Mutual, but... Not, neither of us are two, experts two, on this. Yeah, yeah, right? two, <laughs> two separate things. So you have a policy yeah. that, has, that you're putting money into, has cash value, and it's got a death benefit, right? This is like, it's an asset that you have. And then you have another account, separate bucket that is a line of credit. And that line of credit is using the policy as collateral. So you're, you're going to put up this policy. A bank is going to give you, if you find the right bank, like the, the one I'm working with, uh, 100, I can access 100% of the cash value at Prime right now. So I can, if I've got $100,000 of cash value, I can access 100, I can take $100,000 from this line of credit at, as of today, I think it's three and a quarter percent interest, right? And that the policy, honestly, they don't even know 
that they're being used as collateral. Like I'm signing off with the bank, staking my policy as collateral, but no money is actually leaving the policy. It's just, it's just up there. Like, you know, you're putting up a loan, it's, it's your collateral. Because from the bank's perspective, if you were going to die, A, they know what your, your cash value is. It's $100,000. They're going to have access to it. Plus you have this death benefit. And the bank's not going to let you borrow more than what the cash value is. So they, the bank has like near zero risk on this. Because if you default, you don't pay the bank back, they're just going to wait until you die and then they're going to claim, claim on the policy. And so, so, so you have this policy, you've got this line of credit, you're pulling the cash out of it, right? At three and a quarter percent or whatever it is, three and a half, and, you know, interest rates are going to rise. And then the, at 8% your, with it. Yeah. your goal, yeah, is then go and deploy this cash. Now, a couple of different philosophies. One philosophy you have is, you know, you could invest it in something that has like maybe a monthly recurring revenue. So if, if it's me, I'm going to go do hard money loans. I'm going to make 10%, whatever it is. And then, you know, so now my margin, I'm making six and a half percent on that money. I'm earning 10%. It's costing me three and a half. I've got the six and a half margin. Or, you know, but it's going to cash flow every month. And every month I'm going to have a deposit in. I'm going to have an interest charge out. And my that checking account's going to build. I could take that money and I could compound it in back into the investment, right? Or I could use it to pay down the line of credit. Or I could go spend it. Like the goal's up to you. Uh, or you could take that money and you could invest in a, a syndication, right? That could pay you maybe a 15%, but like, it, it it doesn't always flow like that, right? You could have no money for two or three years, and then they give you all your money back. And but, but once again, as as long as you got some money to then support whatever your your interest payments are, at the end of the day, you're, you're going to be positive. So anyway, yeah, that's how it works. It, it, there's kind of these three components. You've got the the policy, which is it's this asset. You have this this line of credit that you're using as collateral, and then you have this investment that is ultimately supporting it. And so when you run the numbers on these things, if you were to take Forget the policy. You said, I'm just going to invest in this thing that earns me 10%, and I'm going to put $25,000 a year in it, and I'm going to compound on my returns. You know, at the end of the day, you look at what your account balance is going to be, uh, and you're going to pay taxes on all that gains versus you do it within this policy. I mean, you're still, I guess you're still going to have taxes on the, on the gaining investment, but your, your, your policy is going to be gaining. You're going to have the death benefit. Uh, plus this other side. So, and no, I, I, I've only heard great things about the John White's a guy. I think that is pretty expert on this. That's in GoBundance. I think this is his space, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Yeah, he does it as um, well. Yep. Right. So there's there's some guys that have some some uh, it's like you said, broker this this uh, this sort of thing, find the right people. But um, it is fascinating. And now you're getting my juices flowing on like yeah, as we're going to twenty. So, so the next level, not to like totally like <laughs> no, please, this, but but like you know, people talk about like you. And I don't actually know why it's called infinite banking, but the idea is like you become your own bank. And at a yeah. certain level, you know, what happens is like, so I have a policy for myself, my wife, my my two daughters who are like, you know, five and seven months old at, at smaller amount, obviously smaller amounts. And, you know, you can you can have all the the beneficiary of all these policies go back into a trust is is the idea. And yeah. so ultimately, you know, I die, my wife dies, like, you know, there's gonna be a couple million bucks that is gonna go back into this trust, which then acts like its own bank. So then the the if my my kids you know want to go buy a business or they want to go invest or get down payment for a house or whatever instead of going to a traditional bank you know we're going to have this trust and they can then borrow there's going to be a new policy on them so let's say that that the, the trust can pay for so let's say that the trust takes out i don't know whatever a $50,000 life insurance policy on one of my daughters when she's 18 years old the that will start to accumulate cash value right and then she can borrow from her own policy that the trust pays the the premiums to and then go do the investment and then and then pay it back and if she didn't pay it back like ultimately she's going to die one day right and then the 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 funds kind of recoup and so this is how like if you if you google the stuff and like how the rockefellers have have transferred their wealth o- over the years yeah, yeah this is the exact way they did it it was through life insurance policies and trusts and you know cuz if you don't do this all that money could get gets diluted, right? To two or three kids, and then their kids get diluted to two or three kids, and then every time that happens, there's taxes, and you know people are making maybe poor decisions because you know maybe they don't know what to do with it. And so, anyhow, it's a ton to talk about, but it, but the idea is yeah, like you have yeah. control. There's all these advantages. It's just it's pretty complicated, and you know I guess one of my goals is to help people like simplify yeah. this thing down into this like 
system in a box that they can they could like follow this strategy step by step and not just be like this theory and this thing we're talking about but like I love the, yeah, I, I love the idea of systematizing finances and again you know the, I think the unique value proposition you're talking about is it's not just a simple you know sort of T Harbecker model of like just put some money here some money there like in different accounts for different spending reasons you've got this this infinite banking concept that you're like I think you did a great job of explaining it like, makes sense to me now um as part of sort it's of one of the things. Yep. Yeah. And you wouldn't put yeah. all your money into it, but it's like, hey, I know I'm going to invest at least $50,000 a year into something, right? So you might as well stick it through, like you wash it through this policy first and it comes out and then you continue to invest it. It's just, you you run it through this additional channel that then has guaranteed growth. It's also, it's also protected from creditors. Uh, life yeah. insurance policies are correct, generally pr- pretty protected. And so, plus you have this death benefit, which is ultimately going to help, help your family in the long run. You set all this thing up, right? So- What's the downside? What What's the negative? Like if, if you were to say, hey, the one thing is there. So, yeah, there's a couple of things. I think one is you got to have a long-term outlook because, yeah. you know, the first couple of years, you know, they're paying commissions to the to the agents. They're, they're booking booking the cost for the, the death benefits and stuff. So like on a, I don't know, a $50,000 a year policy. So you give them $50,000, your cash value that first year might be like 35,000. So you have like a $15,000 cost that first year. And then the next year, you put in another 50, you might have 100 into this thing, and maybe you've got $75,000 in cost, right? But by year, usually about five or so, that's when it, five, six is when it starts to kind of break even, where the money you put in is equal to the money that is in the cash value they have access to. So I think, I think a lot of people, they, then they look at the ledgers, that's where they get stuck in is that, you know, there's, there's a huge cost in the first couple of years. To, to do it. But by the time you get to year 10, year, you know, 15, year 20, you know, the IRR and this thing, the like the average annual return gets into that that four and a half to five percent range. That's that's the, you know, between the two numbers we talked about. Yeah. Plus you have the death benefit. Plus you can hopefully pull this money out and to earn at a higher number in another space. And then in parallel, you have these two different accounts that are both building. So that'd be one. The other, I mean, you just have to commit to you have to commit to the number, right? Whether it's 25 or 50 or 100 I mean you commit every single year I'm going to I'm going to put this money towards it. And if you if you stop if you said hey one year I'm like I don't know it's tight I can't do it. You know there is a minimum but you know you, you're going to then start to lose some of that compounding effect. So um that would be you would be pick the number that you're comfortable with. But but if you think about it, you know $25,000 today in 10 years with inflation like $25,000 is is going to be worth a whole lot less. So um, even in in twenty years, you continue to fund this thing. It's going to be worth almost nothing. So that that would be the two downsides. You have to commit to the number and be co- totally comfortable with it. And to be, you got to have a long term outlook to see that this thing like it takes time. It's like I mean, it's just like the compound hockey stick. The first couple of years, you're putting all this money in, you're maybe not seeing much progress. But then, if if you use it yeah. right and you leverage it right and like you, you get it, you truly get it. I, th- I think it makes a, a lot of sense. So I like it. I like it. That's great, man. Thanks for the tutorial. I don't think we plan to go there, but at the same time, I think it was great to, to kind of like, you know, my curiosity yeah. was peaked. I wanted to, I wanted to get a better sense of this. Yeah. I it's one of these it. things. I mean, I think I've been about a year exposed to it. And like, yeah. I think it's just like a couple of weeks ago, it actually clicked with me. Like it, it's because it's not as simple as just like, I put money in this thing and it grows right. like right. it, yeah. like, and you could do that. You could just put money into it. You could not do the line of credit. You could not like leverage it. You're going to get a four or five percent return, and yeah, you still you still got death benefit, and it's still, you know, you could use that as a bucket if someone wanted to do like I don't know, you familiar with like the three fund portfolio? No, um, so it's like a, it's a they call it the bogglehead. It's like people who follow Vanguard. Uh, if uh, it's a simple stock investing where you you invest in oh, three oh, funds. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm very familiar. In fact, it's, it's, I'm sorry. I, I hear so I I talk to another group about wealth, and and many of the group are like, you know, I got five grand. Like, what do I do? And <clears throat> listening to what they want to do, it's set it and forget it. So if you're talking about like drop a third into a total US uh, index fund, drop a third into an international fund, drop a third to a bond fund, all Vanguard, like and just move that around year to year. Is that what you're talking about? Well, so the three fund portfolio is like you, you say, I'm going to invest instead of like picking what stocks and yeah. bonds you're going to invest in. The idea is like you, you invest in, you know, a domestic total market fund, an international and a bond fund, right? And you, yep. you, you set percentages based on your risk tolerance. So if you're like, you know, more aggressive, you put maybe 20% in bonds or you right. know, whatever less. If you're more conservative, you do 30, right? That's like a, a simple way. Now, w- one of the ways someone could bridge the gap between, uh, you know, where they're at now, maybe 100% stocks and bonds to, to this thing is that insurance policy is going to pay, let's say it's four to 5%. And it's, it's secure. It's very secure, like a bond. So one way you could say, 
is I'm going to invest zero in bonds and whatever money I would allocate to bonds, I'm going to put towards this life insurance policy, which is going to earn double plus have death benefits and have all these other, I can leverage it. So that'd be one way someone could transition. They say, all right, I'm going to put whatever, 12000 or $15,000 a year, which represents whatever, 30% of my, my annual input into this thing. And instead of, so you just do domestic stocks, international stocks, and then the policy. And that would that would potentially bridge the gap of 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 the security aspect of it. So interesting, interesting. man. That's a yeah, that's a great tutorial on it. I appreciate you going down that rabbit hole with me. Apologies yeah, no for problem. taking you down it, but that was great. All right, let's uh, let's pivot over and wrap up with some one sheet questions. So we've talked about the financial garden, uh, the horizontal income space. So I'm good there. Let's move over to family. You mentioned you have the two daughter, uh, the two kids. Boy, girl, what are the seven, seven and or I'm sorry, five and seven months? That's where they are right now. Uh, yep, yep. So I have, I have two two beautiful girls. Uh, Annabella is yep five years old, and uh, Emerson is seven months old as of today. Any more coming, or are you guys? Good I on? hope not. <laughs> <laughs> I my, wife hopes, my wife hopes not too. So okay, okay, you're aligned on that at least. Gotcha. Yeah. What does your wife do? She stay at home, or is she? Yeah, she stay at home. She works, you know, teaching the kids, uh, you know, making them into to awesome, awesome little children. Have so. you ever done that for more than like a day? Just been the guy at home with your kids? Yes, it's yeah, it's I don't know. Yeah, I give it. I give a lot of credit to my wife. It is it is anybody stay at home dads, uh, stay at home moms, anybody that's ever done it, man. I I, I just I, I know enough of myself to know that that's not me. So God bless him for God yeah, bless her yeah, for doing it. That's incredible. Yeah, she's a rock star. <laughs> uh, let's talk about uh, uh, health. So what's diet? What's exercise look like? Yeah, so so diet. I mean, in general, I I. Uh, pretty good. I mean, I try to stay away from from you know j- junk food, fast food. Um, I'm, I'm I've always been pr- pretty lean. Uh, on the exercise front, I'm working to actually just just starting now in January with, with a personal trainer. Uh, I'm I'm not. I, I need like the accountability. Like I need the, someone to hold me accountable. Like I've got the Peloton, I've got the like Bowflex, but like I never get on it. I I need somebody to to kind of kick my ass and you know, make me work out like, like you and your spin, your spin. Uh, dude, I'm telling you like that people say like, why do you get a Peloton? Like, cause I won't do it. I yeah, won't yeah. use it. Like I yeah. need to go. And the other part too, like you talk about decision fatigue, like to go to the gym without a trainer. And I've never actually had a trainer. I've always done classes. I've always enjoyed group classes, like spinning, <laughs> but to go to the gym without a trainer, like there's a lot of thought there. Like, okay, what am I going to work today? You know, what's the right sets the number mm-hmm. of sets, number of reps per set, the right weight, like in you know, my form, like there's a lot of thinking in that. So like what I love about spin is I go, this woman yells at me for 45 minutes. I don't have to think. She says something funny. I write it down and I get out of there. My, like my exercise is done for the does, day. Does she, does she follow you on, on Facebook? There's like five of them. And like, th- I'm, I think I'm up to three that follow okay. me now. And they, they're That's great funny. sports about it. They're great yeah, sports. Yeah. About it. Uh, so I'm working <laughs> on said, like, I did say that one lady, like I did say that. I'm like, see, thank you for the validation. This isn't me being just a... That's sick pervert in the back of a class, but yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, and I'm working on, uh, playing, learning how to play golf. I've, uh, I've now two seasons now played a couple times. So working there. And then I used to play tennis a bunch, uh, back in, uh, years ago. And so I've slowly working to kind of get that back up. So those gotcha. are my goals. So my goals this year are picking up, uh, picking up those activities. Love it. Love it. What about contribution? Where do you like to contribute, whether it's time, money, energy, whatever it might be? Yeah, so I mean, this is one I'm, I know I'm I'm working on. Um, I don't I don't have anything specific. I think a lot of I think a lot of people struggle with finding something that they like are truly passionate about. And like, you know, I could easily you know we can give money to something, but I think it's more finding the the direct correlation. Uh, I mean, I, I would love to find a group where I could help teach, uh, you know, younger kids about entrepreneurship and about money management and personal finance. And I think that'll be my you know it's one of my goals this year is finding. Uh, you know, finding this group of, of probably young people who I can just, you can open up their minds and the, the, the how the world exists that they have yet to be exposed to. And, yeah. um, you know, hopefully we can, if they're, you know, some local kids here in, in Philadelphia, you know, we can bring them into our organization and, you know, we're always looking for, for, for good people who, who want to learn and, you know, that, that be a Tim, Tim road conversation, like a one life thing. Maybe that could be, I don't know. Yeah. Something, be. yeah. Something like that where there's, you know, there's, there's people out there who, who they, you know, they just, they're just not exposed to it. And someone needs right. to just teach them and be that mentor. And from a business standpoint, I, you know, I, I could help a lot. So how about adventure? I know uh, COVID puts a wrench in a lot of people's plans, obviously to get out there and do some fun things, but how about you? Anything that you have planned? Maybe it's like, you know, once things clear up or I don't know, anything that you have planned from an adventure. Standpoint? Yeah. I mean, nothing's, nothing's booked. I mean, we have our goals, you know, I, I've, I've never been to Europe, so we want to go to probably Italy, Spain. Um, I, I love to love to check those out. Similarly, South America, I, I love, you know, uh, South American food. I, I love to go down to, 
either to Cuba or Colombia or here in the Dominica or whatever. So Dominica, yeah, you you can get a. I was told you can get a helicopter ride to oversee all of the uh, green coffee facilities. There we go. There, Adam will hook it up. I promise. He's a fellow Bills fan, so we can we can there promise. We I can promise helicopter rides on his behalf simply because he and I are both Bills fans. It's it's in the code. It's in the Bills Mafia. There you go. <laughs> Talk to me a little bit about your pod. Uh, what are you guys talking about right now? What what value, if any, do you get from that? Yeah, so we're working on, uh, I think, a little bit more structure. I think prior to this, you know, it was kind of the first year, uh, you know, up for us as a group. And I think one of the the challenges is just kind of the. I think it was more of a social uh, hour than it was yeah. like a, you know, hold each other accountable. Let's go over one sheets. You know, let's go over goals. So, you know, all of us, you know want a higher level of accountability. And so, you know, starting now in, you know, January, we're going to meet weekly instead of bi-weekly. We're going to set more rules around who is, uh, you know, attendance. I think, you know, towards the end of the year, we had a, we had a bunch. I mean, I, I missed a few. Somebody else missed a few. It, was, it got very sporadic and it was like, let's get more social than it was effective. And yeah. um, anyway, I think, I think you know, a couple guys are W2. They want to, you know, get more into to investments, holding holding them accountable for, you know, finding businesses and hopefully once they find one, the actions they got to take. You know, for me, I'm working on, you know, my, my podcast and w- working on this this course, uh, or whatever it's going to be, that's going to try to be the system in a box. And so for me, I'm, I'm writing a lot and just trying to get my thoughts on paper. So my accountability, the accountability for me is like, is is content towards this this book and the system. So um, anyway, it's, it's that's that's the theme of the year. It's just, just holding each other accountable and just really um, trying to be uh, have as productive time as we can. Sense. Um, let's wrap this with a question from the GoBundance card game. The one I just had was, I was going to ask it, but I, I felt like it was kind of obvious. It was, what was your nickname as a kid? I'm going to guess it was Beers. That's right. Okay. Yeah. So that was too obvious. Uh, if you were, it would be like asking a guy with a last name Smith, what's your nickname as a, as a kid or even today, Smitty. Uh, but let's do this. Describe a high point moment in your life. Um, hmm. Let's see. Well, there's, I mean, there's a number. I mean, obviously, you know, my my both my kids being born was was huge components in my life. Um, actually, my my seven month old, we uh, we had her at home. My wife had her at home uh, in, intentionally, wow. and so because you know COVID and everything, yeah, so that yeah, was yeah. that was a extremely interesting and and uh, mm. you know actually a really good experience. So that was really cool. Um, I don't know. Besides that, I, I'd say. You know, hiring a I hired a coach in February, January of 2021, so this past year. I think that that was like a big investment in my, myself. Where, you know, you know, once again, this is another thing I learned from the abundance. All these successful guys, you think they know it all, but like all of them, or a lot of them, hire coaches who are you know other people who just you know have that kind of personal relationship and can help hold them accountable, can them introduce them, can give them ideas, and so so I hired a coach, and you know, it was a big investment, kind of really myself and and. You know, from that, you know, I've we, I launched the podcast, and I've I've kind of continued to grow and continued to learn, you know, about fear and like what are my limiting beliefs. And I've learned like how to identify a limiting belief and think to myself like, all right, that's a limiting belief. Like, like I'm the one making that up. Like, no one else is telling me this. And and, and once you see it, like, and you can hear it in yourself, then you know how to overcome it. And I think, you know, for for me, it was kind of unlocking. Uh, you know, unlocking your mind that you're, you know, we're all capable of doing anything we want and that the world is a, is abundant and that as much as we ask for and we commit to like getting, we, we can receive. And so I, so for me, it's really learning all that stuff and now actually like putting it to use and this idea that like we can have anything we want. Anybody can have anything they want if they, 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 they're, they take the right actions, they have clear goals and, you know, they're accountable. So love it. Love it, man. That's amazing. That's amazing. Where can people learn more about you, the podcast, all of that stuff? Where do you want to direct folks? Uh, yeah, sure. A couple different ways. I mean, brianbeers.com with an I uh, will have links to the podcast, my email, you know, Instagram, Twitter, all that stuff. Uh, Business with Beers is you know on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever. Um, that would be the, the probably the best two ways. And then from those, it's got, got all the links. So when, when is it... Like I was on the podcast early on, but is it is it evolving yet to where we use the name but we also use that name to do that on the pod. In other words, can we, can you get drunker and drunker? Like you should have like a 10 question round with oh, yeah. a full beer for each round and then just see where the last question goes. There we that's go. A, that's a listenable. Right. I mean, it's a great podcast now, but that would be like next level. You could even do like a, like a one a month version of that. Just get drunk once a month with your guest 
and go. I like question seven. We're not even sure what the questions are. Right, right. Yeah, I got a question, man. Do you love me? Like that kind of, you know, like just get crazy after question six or seven. I've not done that, but I'll I'll write that down as a as a recommendation (laughs) from one host to another. That's my gift to you, my friend. There you go. Love it. Well, I I appreciate you jumping on, man. I appreciate you as always. Hope to see you at an event in the future, and uh, yeah, keep on doing what you're doing. I look forward to the course and and everything else coming out too. Awesome. Cool. Thanks for having me. Well, that's it for this episode, but be sure you subscribe for future episodes. Give us a rating and review as well. It just helps us grow the podcast, grow the reach, and give as much value as we can to you on a week-to-week basis. Be sure to go over and check out GoBundance.com while you're at it. Check out Emerge if you're a future millionaire, our elite division if you're in that $1 to $5 million range, or our champion division at $5 million plus. Or on the women's side, GoBundance Women is available for all of you to join an amazing group of millionaire entrepreneurial women. And if you haven't already, jump on tribeofmillionaires.com and order the book that is the namesake of this podcast. And you'll learn all about what this whole GoBundance thing is, what masterminds are about, and the power of community, accountability, connection, and all of that as you pursue your goals. Thanks for listening again. We'll talk to you soon.